0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link
1: in the show description to support now.
0: Now Hear This is a music review podcast and is not directly affiliated with any artists or album projects discussed on the show. Think of us like your record collection come to life. Well, except for some of those
2: Rick Astley records. But who are we kidding? You're never going to give those up.
0: You got a record of your favorite songs You got an hour and it won't take long You got a pair of brand new friends You got a ticket gonna stick to the end
2: I said now hear this Now hear this
0: Now hear this show
2: new album. We're so happy with it. It sounds like Fleetwood Mac playing like dance rock. If I, stumble, me I don't want to suck, you know? I want to do something great and have something to say.
0: Welcome back to Now Hear This. I'm Ryan Brady.
1: I'm Paul Kaminsky.
0: And we are talking about an album uh, Paul brought to the table.
1: Yeah, so this is the first one that I'm bringing you. It's like when a cat murders a small mammal and brings what it, an image. and okay. brings it into the house to show the family. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it's just like that. This
1: is the first dead rodent I have laid at your feet.
0: And I accept this gift mm-hmm. humbly. And I, you know, I'm embarrassed that I hadn't even heard of this record before. <sighs> yeah. I'd heard of this group. I've yeah. heard a couple of these songs. There's a couple of songs that are not on this record that I found are tied into this album. Mm-hmm. There's like this, this magic, what is this, album four for
1: them? Three yeah, or four. Something in that vein, yeah.
0: Where it must have just been where they had fully blossomed because when you put this on, and we'll get to it as we do the track by track. It's like, oh, this song's amazing.
1: Yeah, so we should say, this is the album Fantasies by the band Metric. Yes, yes, that's the one. And uh, and yeah, this is this is one where they had been around for a little while, as you say, but this was like their breakout one in a lot of respects. That whole indie rock scene thing, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. like That's what it is. This album is like when that, the whole subsect kind of reached an apex in a lot of ways before yeah. kind of dying out. And I'm still not a hundred percent sure what it transformed into. Like, right, right, right. I don't right, know right, right, what right. it's called right now. It's, I don't think it's indie rock anymore.
0: It's like, uh, this, see, this album to me is like the new version of new wave. Mm-hmm. It's like a new, new wave yes. record. Yes. It reminded me of the Cars or Blondie yes. or what those groups would have been doing if they had lived in this era, this so,
1: time frame. <laughs> I'm so happy you said Blondie because I had some stuff on that. Yes, I think there's well, a Blondie. Well, not just because she's blonde and a right. woman. So yeah, this is, as we mentioned, the album Fantasies by Metric. As you said, this is their fourth studio album. And their members are Emily Haynes on synth and vocals, mm. James Shaw on guitar and vocals, Joshua Winstead on bass and Jules Scott Key, no relation on drums. Hmm. The album was produced by Gavin Brown and James Shaw. And so James, obviously in the band and, and producing the record, so they had released a few before this, as mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, and they didn't really grab me or even pop up on my radar yeah. at the time. I went back and listened to them. I think they were a little more hard edged, a little more unformed, a little more yeah. unfocused than this particular record, which channels a very specific, as you mentioned, new wavy sound mm-hmm. and lives there. I would say extremely successfully. No,
0: perfectly. It's right in the pocket of that genre.
1: Right. Now, I found this record when I was, like, what I used to do for music to find new stuff is I would scour Rolling Stone reviews okay, and then go in and find the songs on LimeWire or whatever it was at the time, because I think that, you know, this album was released in 2009, so probably wasn't LimeWire at that time, but something equivalent. Right, And so it's this, I was sort of out in the woods searching for music. My eyes closed, my hands out for Mm. the listening audience at home. And I came across these guys, and they spoke to me on a number of levels because it's poppy enough where the hooks are just, they're earwormy and they kind of get in your head, but they're not annoying earworms. No, And so even though it can be a tad repetitious, I don't mind the repetition. And this is just one of those albums where... I think it's a perfect record for this band at that time. I think it's a perfect yeah. album. You could put this on and that is what that band should have always sounded like and will forever sound like. I don't think they've ever reached it before or since. I think this is the apex of that band. I don't yeah. think it gets better. They released some subsequent albums, Synthetica, and their latest is Now or Never Now, which is which is good. You know, it's fine. I think this is their strongest.
0: You said perfect album. If it's not a perfect album, it's damn close. And this yeah. is for me, having spun it maybe five times since yeah. you told me about it, it just hums right along and you're like, wait, what? And the, the choruses, the melodies, the arrangements, they I say the cars because I think of the cars and there's never an instrument or a drum hit or a guitar riff or even a vocal that is superfluous. Yeah. They're all, every single element adds to the composition. There's no nonsense. And it's, there's like that rock steady, I would call it muscular sure. drumming. Yeah. This is much more of a rock record, much more polished than those first three. It's muddier, the other stuff. Muddy. And this is
1: clean. And you're just like, whoa. It makes you wonder how they tightened up to this degree, actually, because it's almost shocking. The difference between this and, the, and their records prior. But just to place this in context here, the band was formed in 98 in Toronto, and they started putting out albums in 2001. Emily was also in Broken Social Scene, uh-huh. one of my favorites, and I learned this from the research last night. She is on the Broken Social Scene album, which has anthems for a 17-year-old girl, mm-hmm. which is my favorite Broken Social Scene song, and I'm pretty sure that's her lead vocal on it. So she was just living that indie lifestyle, time. you know? Like, she was really all over all the music that I enjoyed at this particular juncture. Like, I think I found them and I was like, oh, Zoe Deschanel's making music. This is fun. Like, I found, I yeah. found them and Fiery Furnace, I found them all sort of around the same era. And I was like, oh, this is really good. It Sp- spoke to me as a person who likes classic rock or, you know, traditional rock and roll as well as new wave stuff. And as my wife is fond of telling me, I have a real synth problem.
0: Well, I'm pointing to my Moog Voyager that I have here. Yeah. If you don't have a synth problem... you have a problem
1: (laughs) so this album was released on April 7th 2009 and it debuted at number one on the Billboard Heat Seekers chart Mm. which is you know not perhaps as prestigious as the top 200 it peaked at 76 on the top 200 and uh, number 6 in their native Canada Uh, it, it charted Fairly well. It was actually self released. Really? Yeah. So this is, I mean, we called it indie rock. This is like legit. Yeah. So it's independent music. Yeah. Like Lucas's Star Wars or Kevin Smith's Clerks or whatever it is. This was this band just putting it out in the new age of what the music business was turning into, which is anybody can do this, you know? Yeah. The gatekeepers were not as in charge of those gates.
0: As they had been, perhaps? Well, yeah, this is to what? 2009, yeah. April 7, 2009. So Spotify was really just kind of mm-hmm. starting to break into the cultural consciousness at right. this time. Maybe more like 2010, 2011. But yeah, we've had, what, 10 years of Napster, more than that? Yep. People just stealing music.
1: It's the Wild West. It is the just absolute Wild West at this time. Yeah. And this is the tail end of that before the company started wising up and saying, oh, here's how we channel those dollars mm-hmm. where they needed to go. But the technology was evolving so quickly that I feel like it was a struggle for anyone to keep up. Yeah, I agree. But I'm happy we landed at the place we did because it means the artists and the labels are all getting money like they used to. But it's a little looser than it was. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So this is a true indie rock album. The album was actually, it's funny, it was leaked, which caused them to bump up the release schedule. But, uh, you huh.
0: know, yeah. What's the amount of time they had to bump it? They what? bumped it a week. Oh, just one week?
1: Yeah, it was just one week. Since you looked at me. That's so... I threw my arms in the air I said, you're crazy.
0: <laughs> it's been, it's been. Have you ever heard the version of that song that's just entirely made out of <laughs> it's, been? it's Been? It's been, it's been. Yeah,
1: I the internet is... Wild. The internet's wild, but despite the fact that this was sort of guerrilla release, it did get a lot of pickup, and as we say, charted fairly well. Stereo Gum actually placed this as number uh, twenty-six on their best albums of two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. That's pretty high, and uh, it went platinum in Canada.
0: It was Canada is this, was that five hundred thousand in Canada, or is it still a million?
1: I think it's just a
0: toonie. I mean, I have a hard time keeping track because like the certifications. Yeah. Depend upon the population of a country, and it's all sure. different.
1: And they use pound notes,
0: mm. right? It smells like Pieces? maple syrup, right? Isn't that what the the Canadian uh, the the is it lira? Are, are they going... part of the United Kingdom?
1: They are the Queen's subjects. The Commonwealth, right? The queen oversees them, hmm. but her eyesight is just not what it was. She can't see
0: that far across the ocean. But
1: she's like, Trudeau is smoking hot.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's just a given, obviously. <laughs> I saw him. Based out of Toronto, these guys... You've been working
1: out, pal, grabbing his arms. <laughs> oh, are this a beefy guy. <laughs> Canadian through and through this band, although Emily, it's funny, was born actually in New Delhi, hmm. and uh, I didn't know this about her in India? Middle... New Delhi Canada.
0: Oh, New Delhi Canada. Yeah. I, I
1: love the curry from
0: <laughs> New Delhi Canada. Bacon, maple, syrup-flavored
1: yeah. curries. Uh, they're good. Uh, Emily. I don't know. Have you ever heard Emily's solo stuff? I have not. It's... Um, Slow. I feel like whenever I don't know how to describe something that slow and you just vague, call it slow. I, oh, well, <laughs> he's a little slow. <laughs> I call it like I use Lana Del Rey as like a verb. Like they're uh-huh. just Lana Del rey Like she's oh. she's Del Reying pretty hard. Does that make any? Is that any? Did I say anything? It lands with me. Did yeah. I say literally anything? Maybe
0: Lana Del Rey has this. It's like about her re- voice and it's about the brand and the imaging and. Yeah, I understand. It's like a vintage kind of thing, but it's not power pop. It's not in your face. It's like, relax. It's about the vibe.
1: And this is power pop. Like I could hear Badfinger playing some of these songs.
0: Oh my, in my head now I can. Yeah.
1: In fact, I was Gold,
0: Guns, and Girls.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's indie synth pop at its finest. There's a a rash of indie synth pop around this time. You Mm -hmm. had Freeze Pop. I don't remember Freeze Pop. No, what's that? They had this song, Let's Talk More Rock, hmm. which was a lot of fun. It's just a lot of synth. It's just a lot of synth.
0: But as we established, that is fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stack them. Yeah. Now that I'm in a safe space... And I this can talk about... Yeah.
0: I have this fantasy of... Because the Moog Voyager is a monophonic <laughs> mm-hmm. synthesizer, meaning it's one note at a time. And you can buy the rack mount version of that yeah, and stack the rack mounts so you can daisy chain them or, yeah. or pull them together in MIDI or however the hell you do it. Sure. And you can create a polyphonic Voyager. Oh. So each like $1,000 or $3,000 rack mount is one note. You get to play wow. extra. So, like, I want, like, a $20,000 rack of Moog hardware to trigger through that thing over there in the room this Voyager just, just to play dumb synthesizer <laughs> music. So, my point is I get where you're coming from.
1: I knew some of those words.
0: I just said a bunch of nonsense.
1: <laughs> you know, we established
0: in a previous episode you're going to hear a lot of industry terms, mm. like monophonic.
1: Shop talk. That's right. I guess. Yeah, I guess. We made people stars in this room. That's what they do in Hollywood.
0: Listen, baby, you're going to need an oscillator and a monophonic blah, 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 <laughs> if you want to make it in this town.
1: This man, you guys can't see it. This man literally has a couch in his garage right now. <laughs> yes. And I think it may, it just says casting on it, but it's written in like duct tape. Yeah, it's a, it's
0: a, it's a, we'll come into the garage and right now, we'll see the... <laughs> Why don't you read the scene? There is. There is no uh, no script.
1: Oh, that was going to be a script, all right. It's a script, all right. Uh, I don't know why he turned into Ralph Cramden at the end. You're going to play
0: your part. You know what I'm saying, sweetheart? (laughs) Close the garage, will you, honey? Yeah. The clicker's there.
1: (laughs) Are you a clicker man? I do like the word clicker. You're a clicker man? My grandfather used to say clicker. Well, now that you've put that... Lovely family spin on it. I can't mock the phrase. Well, mock it. Well, I just, I'm not a clicker person. <laughs> I can't do it. I am. Remote it, I, control. I am a remote control. It's remote. Well,
0: because yeah, the clickers, they actually used to click. It was like a.
1: So let's talk a little bit about the evolution of indie rock here, because I think you could take this album as an example of where it would pivot to. I'd love that you mentioned new wave because yeah. right now we're in an era where at least the music I enjoy and listen to, which are mm-hmm. like Janelle Monet, St. Vincent, yeah. Are using heavy synth. They're doing stuff that people were doing in the early 80s but they're doing That's it true. with modern technology and modern production sensibility. And there's also this weird like I was describing it to my wife the other day as it's like ASMR. People seem really interested in like the tiny details. Tiny details and I then spring. right, but then cranking them up really loud and drawing lots of attention to them. Huh. And so I think it's just a way of trying to do something different with production. but And I don't have the musical vocabulary to really tell you specifically what I mean. I understand mean, but what you're saying. Yeah, it makes sense to me. So I think that is kind of where we're heading. I think you could see this album as a pivot point for that in indie rock. And as we say, I don't... Know away
0: what, from
1: the loud? Away from the garaginess of it. Because okay, yeah. the strokes, the stripes, that kind of stuff is, is now behind us in a lot of ways. Mm. We're not getting those much anymore. We're in this new wave sort of thing where guitar bands are guitar bands are on their way out right yeah
0: well yeah that's what they say i hear every year it's guitar is back or guitar's out and it's like every couple of weeks you're like, which one is it
1: yeah those are generalities there are exceptions to the rule the guitars on this album are there, certainly.
0: They're there and they're excellent. It's yeah. just every tone is perfectly dialed in and I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, which is almost the opposite of what we experienced when we were listening to Todd. <laughs> we it's just
1: like, some of these tones are yes. terrible. So that, what a perfect pairing, because in, as you say, in our episode one, we talked about a wizard, a true star, which never lingers in no. any one place. It hops around constantly by design. <sighs> Yeah, and by that's what the, he wanted, right? That album is him in a lot of ways. Just moving a mile a minute and jumping around. This one is so, as you say, intentional. Correct. Nothing is out of place. Everything. You talk, I, I was complaining that Todd didn't live in the pocket long enough. This whole album's in the pocket. Right in the pocket. I'm in the pocket yeah. with this album.
0: Even when there's not. Even if it's a drum machine instead of a big kit. That it still plods along and not, not in a negative sort of way. No. It, it drives along is a better word. Yeah. It just whoosh, skims right on top of the water.
1: And where they succeed less on subsequent albums is in that plodding with less well constructed material underneath. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they got this material from in terms of like why it's so good, but the songwriting is tight here. It's really tight. Well, I mean you
0: said ninety eight. So they were together for ten years. True. This was the ten year mark, and everybody says it takes you ten years to yeah. X or Y, Maybe. whatever
1: it is. But I could point to a couple of artists where it's like, like Mika, for instance, was who was also big around this time. Mika came out with one great album, and he was writing it his entire life.
0: What is that? I gotta be blue, gotta be green, yeah. gotta be blah, right. Blah, blah, blah. So, I so like Mika that song,
1: I, I do too. And that album, I think, is fantastic. But he was writing that album for ten years, put that mm. out, and it's every song is like fantastic. Where is he? Right. So he put out subsequent albums, and I've been listening to them, but they're not ever to that point of yeah. greatness. well, yeah. So it's funny that sometimes you can just have this burst out the gate. Right. And then sometimes it has to be a slow burn with a band before you get there. And so I wonder, like, where did this material come from that it's suddenly so good? Maybe it was a relationship, could have
0: been the producer. I know I've worked with artists and producers who will, you know, some... Artists like Billy Joel, for example, they'll bring the album to the table to the producer. These are the songs that are going in the album. Right. And it's like, all right, can you write any more? And they go, ah, I don't know. Yeah. But like a guy like Ty Dolla for example, he's on that picture in this room right here. He had hundreds of songs for his first record. Yeah. And so you get the benefit of just picking right. the cream of the crop. But also, if you've made 100, right. you have the practice where you're like, oh, yeah, I'll go make some more. McCartney's like that, right. yeah. <laughs> where it's like, oh, which of these hundreds of songs do you want for Ram? Right. Oh, I'll pick these 20 and record them, or whatever it was. Yeah, And then only these will come out. I would argue, knowing so much less than you about this record, yeah, that there's a pile of stuff that I don't even know about, like a whole second disc.
1: Okay. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we'll touch on a B-side toward the end of our, our listening of the record, but the, there's a B-side called Waves, which is actually... Just as strong as the rest of the record, so yeah, maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe there is a bunch of stuff lying in wait down there. One of the things I've heard we mentioned the Beatles a lot. I'm also going to probably bring up Jack White a couple of times because that's some of my common frame of reference, but his advice to Margot Price, for instance, after she put out her first album, was "Don't stop writing and write on the road. Mm. you can't rest on your laurels with this stuff. you have to keep going, and you have Gotta to keep, keep making going, it, yeah, right, so I feel like. This is a band that, as we said, had been on the road for a decade. I hope that that was what they were doing, and that's why we've got this pile of really strong material. I feel like, yes, you know, it makes Mm -hmm. sense, especially with her involved in Broken Social Scene, literally at the same time.
2: But there's this thing that, for me as a writer, where I have to trick myself into thinking I'm not writing. Uh You know, I felt like I was becoming this sort of like cartoon character of like, now I'm on tour, and now I'm writing, like I'm in my room with the piano, and I'm writing, and I'm thinking, and I'm brooding, and I'm moody. You know, it's like, uh, I don't want to, this is such a cliche and this is like so self-conscious and ridiculous. So, and there's like, you know, gym pressure, not like insane pressure but mostly created by me because I don't want to suck, you know? Right. I want to do something great and have something to say. So, um i basically tricked myself into thinking that i was never going to write another song and that it didn't matter it totally worked because i wrote most of the record my the parts that go. i wrote i wrote most of them there so uh,
1: but there's a lot of great groups happening simultaneously most of which wound up on the like scott pilgrim soundtrack i feel like that's a wonderful oh, yeah, yes was and they're on
0: black sheep what's the song there's oh, one yes. song yeah, yeah, of yeah. That's theirs. Is uh, that the uh, song? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think that's one of their best performing songs. And I think that was for this record. It was for
1: this record, yeah. yeah. And this, it's, uh, it didn't make its way onto this record for that reason. It wound up on that soundtrack. But yeah, they were a part of this little like last burst. They're like a bridge group. They're <laughs> like, if we're on this indie rock journey, and they're taking us to that next step. Yeah. So I have a couple just overall. Ooh, hit me. This is indie synth pop at its finest. It's like you're being injected with amphetamines by a sexy nurse, and you're like, okay. (laughs) Paint
0: the picture for me, Paul.
1: It's like a bowl of sugary cereal on a Saturday morning.
0: Now, I can get behind that. What's your sugary cereal choice?
1: I'll always be partial to Fruity Pebbles, and... Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but I feel like cinnamon toast crunch is so expected, I have to be hipster about this and say like fruity pebbles or something esoteric like that.
0: Frosted mini wheats. Wow. I could eat just a box of that right now. Wow. Okay.
1: I need the touch of fruit in there though. On you the like, you mini like a wheats. touch of fruit, don't I need, you? I need.
0: <laughs> <laughs> frosted <laughs> it's Okay, so Frosted Mini Wheats. You look at it, you're like, what the hell is this? But then, I mean, I think of a, a bowl of Fruity Pebbles, like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, Skittle Vomit. Skittle Vomit. So you prefer the fruit to the chocolate? Because they have a chocolate version
1: of that, right? I need the fruit. Crave the fruit. Like the chocolate, crave
0: the fruit. You know these this is public. These things go public <laughs> for eternity, Right. <laughs>
1: You know, they used to call me cherry cordial in college.
0: I know that now. But yeah, so... I interrupted your bullet points.
1: No, you contributed to my bullet points. I contributed to your bullet points. So I think, much like a bowl of your favorite delicious sugary cereal, nothing is out of place. When you pick up that spoon and you shove it in your mouth, you're getting the same experience with every shovel, Mm. unless you're eating Lucky Charms. Mm. And if you're doing that, I hope... You're eating the oats first and saving the marshmallows for last because otherwise you are a maniac. So
0: you're saving all of the milk sogged marshmallows exactly. for the end. It's like the fir- who's it's, the maniac? Exactly. It's the
1: burst of fireworks at the wow. end of. The, it's like if, it's like you know you're at Disneyland and you're waiting for those fireworks. That's the that's the marshmallow. Is there
0: any nutritional value in the cereal in it, Lucky Charms? Are we recording any of this? Yeah.
1: Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's rolling i'm watching it you know, so sometimes i think you just wait until we, i say something not crazy
0: oh no yeah like, i definitely okay. do press the mute button and they're like oh where would that go i don't know what was recording
1: yeah my last bullet point here is it's riff rock with debbie harry poured all over it
0: oh yeah this is my favorite section of the podcast i would just tune into that <laughs> <laughs> i could listen to just an edited version of your bullet points for all of our episodes and be like, yep, that's my guy right there. This is Paul's bullet corner
1: and it's a classic segment.
0: We need the the gunshot, (laughs) the hip hop.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well now here's a transition. MIA is also around this time becoming popular. And she is doing this thing where she's merging the indie sounds of the time with like gangster rap and everyone's, Falling head over heels for. Oh, I mean it.
0: that song was everywhere that summer. I think it was this summer. I think was it there, was this. This from was from Pineapple
1: Express. That this movie. This yeah, a big summer for music. Like I listened. I found Blur this summer. I know they oh, had boy. been around for a little while. Ooh, you had a good summer that year. Had a girlfriend at the time whose screen name was Crazy Beat. So that's uh, so that's fun. Dandy Dandy Warhols. I know the Dandy Warhols. They were around around this time. Uh, who else we got around this? 2008, 2009. Well, I mean,
0: Jack White was making stuff. I remember him. Yeah, Dead Weather. Is this the era?
1: Shiny Toy Gun.
0: I mean, Vampire Weekend had put out a couple records. They Vampire were around.
1: Weekend. See, they're another one I would put into the metric box a little bit.
0: MGMT. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yaysayer. Sayer. Well, I saw Sayer sometime in New York. I can't uh, remember where.
1: What's uh, Was it Odd, the Blood tour? Yeah, that was it. That's that a great album. It. That's a really good one. I got to put that
0: on my I list. I have to find the name of this band. They had that song "Listomania," Phoenix. Phoenix, 1901. I listened to a little Phoenix. So it's like what you're saying: this new wave, this like late 70s, like 77 to eighty, eighty one, is back. Yeah, but it's produced competitively
1: for the marketplace. I feel like Kurt Cobain picked out a plot of land, mm. and then. Jack and the Strokes and the Hives and all those guys started to build like an old timey cabin on that right. land, oh. and then these guys were like, "Why don't we have central air? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get central air. Yeah.
0: We need Wi Fi. We need Wi Fi. We need a doorman.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're going to IKEA. Has anybody <laughs> coming
1: with? <laughs> <laughs> and Radio Shack. Uh, are they still around?" Radio Shack is gone. This is the portion of the show where we say, is that dead? Is that thing still around? So last episode, it was Harry Belafonte. By the way, science is still out on that. Don't know if he's still alive or not. I have not checked, no. If you Google, I will be so upset with you. I did not. Please don't.
0: I'm not touching the... the, I actually will never look up if he's dead or not. I (laughs) need the news to serve it to me. He's Schrodinger's...
1: Belafonte at this point.
0: Schrodinger's (laughs) Belafonte. If he opens the box, you can never, ever, ever go back to the last scene in Beetlejuice.
1: (laughs) Um, so we've talked about setup, and let's get into the album.
0: Okay. Oh yes, uh,
1: that's right. Let's get into this album. Oh,
0: so. are we requ- yes. Yeah. Okay. okay.
1: Good. Yeah. So we have we kick open the door here with "Help I'm Alive." This was also the lead-off single of the album. It peaked at number twenty-one in Canada,
2: mm.
1: uh, the, the highest-charting single of the of the album. It's got that droney songwriting style, but it's just tight enough to be engaging and just loose enough so it's clear that they don't take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. It's a nice balance that reflects them as a group in a lot of ways and it sort of ping pongs between arena rock electronica and sunshine pop you know here and there you get that burst of acoustic guitar yeah you also have that burst of like the give my regards to broad street silly love songs The like sort of yeah, 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 machinations yeah. but it, it creates enough of a link where it works for me
0: this is a great song it's got such a big chorus help yeah. him alive my heart keeps beating like a hammer and then she says a few other things and then ties it back With this big rise, beating like a hammer. Yeah. And so I was hooked right away. I mean, just right out the gate, you really are hit over the head with a hammer of such a great pop song. And I think, I mean, I I looked some of this up. Emily said that this is one of the first songs that she wrote on the piano when she was in Buenos Aires. Oh, yeah. And it it started out as a ballad. But you know, when she brought it to the band, it it was given this like this life. Yeah, and you can hear. I mean, I can't even imagine what that sounds like as a ballad.
1: Well, I can tell you what it would sound like as a ballad because there's an acoustic version. Oh right, of so I it. told you there's a second or third disc. Yeah, so there's an acoustic version of this one, Gold Guns Girls. And I think those are the only two that were included as like bonus tracks elsewhere. Yeah. So you can kind of get that point. It does need that power. It's funny you mentioned the drums. Like the power drumming kind of makes this. It's just like boom, 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 you know, it's got that huge bass drum on the song too. But also the snare is super tight and it's an 80s-ish sounding. For sure. Definitely. Kind of. I
0: said in my notes here, what did I write? Starts off like an incredible Lost Cars album. Yeah, no nonsense.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does have that like, um, like a later Cars album kind of sound to it. A little Heartbeat the, City. Mm, that's the one. Mm-hmm. That's the one. I was my brain was scanning. We have a strict no googling policy on. This we try not to touch the uh, the old Google. Yeah. So from there we jump into Sick Muse, which is a great follow up. The album is just. Relentless. I
0: like this song more than the first song. Where I you are just too. like, how is the second song better than the first song? When does that happen? Yeah,
1: and and but that's the thing about this album, the songs keep getting better. Like that's why I call it a perfect album because there's nothing I would throw away off this. No, there's nothing I would take off. No. I think they made the exact right choices. I think it's the best hook they could have shot for because it's got this like sing song equality at one point, but it's also driving. You know. And the lyric is nice. The idea that money is the sick muse, right? So it's money takes your attention and points it to a dark place that you wouldn't necessarily go to on your own volition. It's basically Mm -hmm. saying that, you know, it's the old adage, money's the root of all evil. Well, it's it's basically saying that. It's saying like once you introduce money into the equation, your focus shifts unnaturally into sort of evil, I guess. Yes, yes. Or sickness. But then we get that counterpoint of everybody, that bit where she goes, everybody, everybody just wants to fall in love. And it's a tension that lets you go. It, it like forgives you. It forgives the greed for a minute. It says yeah. it's okay to go to that dark place, but here's the bright sunshine thats you're also capable of. Who doesn't of.
0: want to fall in love? Everybody. Some maniac
1: doesn't want to <laughs> fall in love. Some lucky charms eating maniac.
0: Even Ted Bundy wanted to fall in love. Yeah, with... Um, At least a corpse. Definitely. Oh, boy. But yeah, I would. I just associated Lucky Charms and Ted Bundy together for myself for the rest of my life. Good work. (laughs) We're very sorry if you are listening to the show. I actually have a point about the chorus I I found. And that Emily had said that the first version of the song had different lyrics in the chorus, which referenced the Greek myth of Cupid and a few other things. And it wasn't clicking. And so they went and they, you know, this is a very simple sing song yeah. chorus. But then in what verse two, she's talking about Cupid and all of, well, no, that's the first line, right? Yeah,
1: I'm with Cupid. Money yeah. is a sick.
0: So they moved things around and, you know, it clicked. Yeah. But yeah, it's just such a delight when they click this
1: well. It's simple in a way. We're going to be making a lot of references to Todd, I feel like, throughout this whole podcast. But like, thank God. <laughs> Todd, take the wheel. <laughs> It boils it down to a place where I always wished Todd would boil it down to on his album. Like, this one really just, it takes that adage of simplicity is Mm -hmm. the best. It really uh, is. Yeah.
0: Especially in pop music.
1: Right. Which is what this is. Like, I don't want to, this isn't necessarily high art. This is for sure pop record.
0: Okay, but what is high art? Would you consider the Simpsons high art? I would, actually. I think it's just as good as a Jay-Z song or a Monet or, or the Sistine Chapel. It's like, it's stuff that, it okay. touches people in a grand scale. Yeah. It doesn't have to be some tiny little <laughs> thing that only 15 people listen to, like our show. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. I, I know guess there's 10,000 of you out there. How are you?
1: High art was maybe a poor choice of words. It's more like avant-garde. Like It's not trying to experiment. It's trying to...
0: Okay, that. Absolutely. This is, there is nothing avant-garde about any of this. No, It's, it's the, no fat, lean, yeah. but a really nice
1: cut. You know? it's, yeah, it's like a musical email. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Guys, <it's>, you're right. <laughs> I'm, never, I'm learning a lot about myself <laughs> and about life as we uh, dance along this show sure. here.
1: That leads us to track three here, which is, again, I think better than the last two. Mm-hmm. Another irresistible series of hooks here. We're talking about Satellite Mind.
2: Satellite
1: Just an irresistible series of hooks about masturbation. Yeah, yes, and it is. One of my favorite songs about masturbation. Ryan, what's your favorite masturbation song? Turning Japanese.
0: Is that a mess? Yeah, that's what I thought it was. I'm turning Japanese. Turn in Japanese. I think I'm turning.
1: No, I know the song. Yeah. Is that not right? Is that, is that a myth? I thought it was about I'm not just trying cultural appropriation.
0: Okay, then my next She-bop? favorite song about masturbation is I Touch Myself by the Divinals. Oh, that's so good. I don't know yeah. Eyes. You're thinking of Awesome Powers right now, aren't you? The Union Jack? We
1: shouldn't be locked eyes right now. <laughs> I <this> am locked <laughs> eyes with Paul. I am diverted. And I'm clutching my chair. Divert. Divert. There's the line. I heard you fuck through the wall. It's just so badass. It's so, yeah. oh my God, boy, this this album has that pop quality, but the lyric sometimes and the delivery of the lyric is so rock and roll. And she just absolutely nails it when she she's talking about, just this idea of Emily Haynes sending sexy thoughts to somebody through vibrations within her own mind. Yeah. It's just so, it's like, I can feel your ghost when I'm alone. Like, it's just, it's so good. It's so well, good. She
0: says here that she was at a funeral in Los Angeles for a friend of hers, and it had, it filled her with some Lynchian, David Lynch, yeah. like, whatever, paranormal sort of vibration, and she asked herself the question, how can you protect your privacy from invasive ghosts? Whoa. She actually asked herself that question. And so she stayed up all night working on the song in our hotel room. And when she landed back in Toronto, they went right in the studio to record this. Wow. So to your point earlier about like how did they have the quality, she was. She was, she was on the road. Yeah, She was writing even at funerals. She's thinking about all of this stuff, putting it into her brain and outputting such great pop songs.
1: Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. The last note I have about this song is like, once this album comes on, I don't want to turn it off. I just want to let mm. that shit ride, because yeah, it's,
0: it's very addicting. Yeah, or yeah. addictive.
1: Addictive, like the cereal. Mom, I'm not running. These I'm are just another ball. These are... <laughs> That's disturbing. These are bites of that cereal. These are spoonfuls. Yeah, they are. Uh, so the first little break we get on the album is this track four, Twilight Galaxy, but the damn thing is still pretty driving okay so the way i frame this is like if this album is taking you on this like car ride this song even though it's slower doesn't slam on the brakes no 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 that doesn't i don't think that ever really happens but the album doesn't slow down for a while yeah it just it slows down so you could admire the scenery Mm -hmm. before you're back to going 150 miles an hour and this this one is one that does that
0: so i wrote well produced drums fly in great writing Hooky in an understated way, yeah, and you know the background vocals. Oh yeah, those. Ooh, I, I can't even do it because that's it. Yeah. Uh, you just find yourself thinking about that later. You're like, oh man, which one was that? Oh yeah, I think that was Twilight Galaxy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a T Rex quality to this one, right? Some bowling. Bolin man. Yeah, there's no glitter in the gutter. There's no Twilight Galaxy. I could just see Mark sitting there with his top hat and glitter. Well, you know,
0: literally uh, <laughs> no glitter. Why do I always do the old
1: Bruce <laughs> McMouse voice?
0: Oh, man. Oh, baby, no in the gutter, baby.
1: I was hoping we'd get that.
0: Twilight Galaxy, man, okay.
1: Just another classic character you'll come to expect here on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Bruce? Hey, Hey, baby, it's me, Bruce. I'm here. i want to talk to
0: you about metric, baby. All right, all right, I gotta go. I'll see
1: you later. Wow, that was crazy. Yeah. We talk about phrasing a little bit. This is one where I feel like that is really on display. Emily's got this line, I'm all right now. Come on, baby. And it's just, it's such a, generic line but yeah. the, the inflection and the the placement of it and how she's phrasing it is just spot-on perfect
0: you're selling me i i mean i didn't know this band and, and now they're one of my favorite bands so it's like how did this happen their new record's pretty good
1: their new record's pretty pretty i gotta it's, check that out it's not it's not this but it's pretty good uh then we go on to gold guns girls which was another single on the album this one peaked at number 88 in canada it's like a fucked up alarm clock after the dreamy landscape we were just That's in. is my favorite song on this record.
0: Really? I can't get, this is my, is it my name for this record? Okay. This is the one I keep going back to. I think the lyrics are so funny in such like a twisted way. Yeah. And well, so you, you mentioned singles. So I looked this up. So there are four singles on this record. A lot. So if it came out April 7th, in two thousand and nine, the first single was December twenty three, two thousand and eight. So you had a single way before the record, which is normal. That yeah. that was help 'em alive. Then Gimme Sympathy, March twelfth, two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. Sick Muse, June first, two thousand and nine. So April twenty fifth, two thousand and ten, this was the single. So this is That's a long cycle. It's almost a year after single three. Yeah. It makes me wonder why. I didn't dig into it. I should have done the research, but it's just like, a year later, they're still working the record. It must have taken off. And they're like, ah, I'll just send it to radio or something along those lines. I,
1: but I feel like that's a modern thing. I feel like we've been getting that a lot lately. And and I I don't mean to keep harping on St. Vincent, but like she put out that album, Mass Seduction, and then she's been writing that since 2017 now. Yeah. And she just put out a new single from it like a couple months ago. So that's okay. like a two years, almost a two year cycle, year and a half cycle. So I feel like once people, it, it was much more of a churny workman, like right, 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 right attitude right. before this modern concept of if you made something, you can continue getting it to people.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's true. It's, that's how digital works now. It's well, always
1: available. You know, it's, it's got a, the virtue of like, there's so much to discover. Yes, Definitely you're going to hit somebody you didn't hit before. Inspired by Scarface,
0: this song? Yeah,
1: really? I didn't know. Yeah. It's a great wordplay. All the gold and the guns in the world couldn't get you off. I just think it's just such good writing. <laughs> and she's got these superb backing vocals. I think Emily's duping them on herself, because it's just, they come in like an echo, but they're never distracting. It always never, just no. sort of works. Actually, this one made its way into the movie Zombie Land. And onto an episode of Entourage, the end credits of Totally Spies the Movie, and a FIFA World Cup video game.
0: (laughs) I've seen most of that. (laughs) Not Totally Spies, but everything else.
1: I know you're a a Totally Spies head. I could peg you that walking into the room. Turns out the truth is I've only seen that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the only movie. That's all I got. I've only seen one movie in my life, (laughs) and it's Totally Spies. (laughs) Get on the couch. Sit back on the couch.
1: <laughs> Look at the duct tape. Out. We're gonna
0: read a scene from Totally Spies.
1: What is your favorite kid spy movie? Is it Totally Spies? My
0: favorite kid spy it's movie. It's gotta have kids in it, yeah. My favorite. Does uh, Three Ninjas count as a kid spy movie? No. Okay, so then I guess it's Totally Spies. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I would. I expected better, but. <laughs> The show is really just ramping up. Sympathy, give me sympathy. It's fun. I love. I have sympathy for many things, and I give it. Do you really though? Is that true? I sympathize. I think he does. I sympathize, folks. I sympathize. So, give me sympathies, track six, and just when you think that they're all out of hooks, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Maybe the best one on the album. I don't know. Every one, I'm like, I think this is the best one on the album. Uh, This was another single. This was number 52 in Canada. And the rising tension of this song to the release of the chorus is just so satisfying. It's like, by the time you get to the chorus, you get this burst of bright guitar to help you jump around these clouds you found yourself on or something. It's just, and then you're up there. And obviously the Beatles and the Rolling Stones It is a nice touch point, but what I'm always proud of is when I find out I liked an artist before I realized they were super into the Beatles, because it's affirming for me that I don't just have like some sickness for them and can't get around it. Like She and him, I loved them, and then I heard that they covered I Should Have Known Better, and I was like, I am proud that I didn't know that. Yeah, well,
0: I mean, yeah, they nail that song. They do. To answer to the question who would you rather be the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? My answer is a question. It's what year is it? So let's just throw out a year. Well, actually, I mean, if it's any time (laughs) the Beatles are around for me, it's the Beatles. But if it's like the eighties, I'd say the Rolling Stones. If it was the seventies, I'd
1: still say Beatles. Hmm. I guess it depends which year of the seventies. All right. Let's
0: throw one out. 75. 75
1: everyone's inactive except Paul, right? In 75. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe, what, what, what the hell were the Stones doing in 75?
0: Well, I have no idea. That's, yeah. the, that's the part of it. Man, I don't I'm know. I'm not much of a Stones guy. I like a lot of their singles and a lot of their albums. Yeah. But, you know, there is a lot of... You know, when you're a band that's around that long, you're right. not going to consistently make good things. If the Beatles had been around, you think, I don't know if they would have made consistently insane albums after 80 I think they could have pulled together really good. We're really yeah, going down this road.
1: Yeah, we're down a rabbit hole.
0: I think oh, they yeah. could have made it to like 76 or 78 and been like, wow, these are just as good as from 1964. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I think it's usually Beatles. I think it's almost always Beatles, except maybe like certain parts of 69.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah, well, yeah they had really good stuff. Yeah. Prescient, though, like Here Comes the Sun, that's the number one Beatles song streaming that's
1: right george wins and a george and a george win george wins yeah so anyway the great hook great everything about that one then we get another tap of the brakes mm-hmm. on the song track seven collect call it's the same thing it's not like stopping the ride it's just easing up a bit i guess one of my critiques on the album might be that the hooks can start to sound a little samey yeah but i don't care because i like them
0: yeah you know I love I'm a Lazy Dancer, When You Move, I Move With You.
1: I literally wrote that one.
0: I got a real emotional feeling out of this one, and I was shocked. I was like, all of a sudden like thinking about my wife. Like, yeah. oh, wow, this is really getting me. And huh. this
1: is the first mellow tune, right? It's one of a few, it's like one of two, I think, mellows, or one of three mellow songs on the album. We talk about phrasing again. If somebody's got soul, she goes, If somebody's got soul. Right. If somebody's got so, you know, it's, it's really a, a novel way to do that. And it keeps a fairly cliched term interesting. Sinatra used to do that. If you ever yeah. listen to this
0: song like Chicago? Yeah. If you pull all the Chicagos out of Chicago, it's like, Chicago, or <laughs> Chicago, <laughs> Chicago. Yeah. Masterful lead vocalists can do that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So then brings us to track eight, Front Row. We're back in our regularly scheduled it's journey. It's right back
0: up, high <laughs> octane.
1: <laughs> this, is what, mm-hmm. this one's got a 70s power pop feel to it. This is the Bad Finger one for me. This is I could hear them sort of doing that.
0: I actually laughed out loud. I'm in the front row with a bottle. I'm in the front row. I'm a model.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd la- I was like... <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Under normal circumstances, this might be a standout for me, but this record is so great felt the same way that i just i was it, like oh this is another good song this one sounds like something Still off going of, yeah the next one like synthetica that album it feels like rejects from this one maybe mm-hmm. a little bit so this one if they had to cut something maybe you cut this one but yeah, you know, it's it's good yeah and uh let's see it was another single it peaked at 65 in canada it made its way Onto the Grey's Anatomy soundtrack, uh, inspired by a novel called Great Jones Street by Mm. uh, writer Don DeLillo, which is the other thing I learned about this one, but not too much to say. Uh, Which brings us to the second to last track, Blindness. Blindness, yeah. Yeah, if this album is the journey, this is us pulling up to the destination, maybe? Um, Mm. Lots of tension, lots of anticipation in this song. It feels ominous in a way.
0: I pulled this from Drowned in Sound. Emily has a quote. Where she says, "Every album needs that one slow and heavy song that makes time stop and allows all the other songs to sink in. That's the role of blindness on Fantasies. You're meant to close your eyes when you listen to it
1: and breathe." Yeah. Wow. I love her. I love her too. I want to leave, but the world won't let me go. Mm it's got it's, that, yeah, it's, heavy, it's a man. beautiful line and she repeats it. And that's what sent me on that trip of Broken Social Scene. Because if you've listened to Broken Social Scene at all, that's their shtick. They sort of, they have a that repetition, almost a mantra type her mantra mm-hmm. type thing.
0: Mantra, mantra, capo, yeah. capo, whatever.
1: Yeah. In anthems for teenage girls, stop that car, drop that phone, sleep on the floor, dream about me. And mm. they say it about 400 times in this one it's I want to leave but the world won't let me go what it is and where it stops nobody knows you gave me a life I never chose I want to leave but the world won't let me go it's a yeah. really it buries itself in your brain yeah. and it's it, I would say it's an earworm but like a nice earworm like yeah. if this was Khan putting this in my ear
0: I always think of that too when people say earworm yeah. I'm always freaked out oh I have another earworm it's like Wrath of Khan
1: yeah. They put creatures uh, in our bodies uh, oh boy made us do things Say lies. I could go on, and I might. <laughs> and you may and should, and probably will. When the guitars come in on this, and then the drums smash in, yeah. they're in beat group mode. Oh, yeah. This sounds like British Invasion I was going to
0: say, that's why you like this record. It's old music, new music, mashed together thing. It's that boom
1: it's like that thing you do it's like a ringo (laughs) Uh, which brings us to our last song uh, Stadium Love I, I think my first note on this is just holy shit Power pop, pop, the best.
0: Her line also, I, it was like this one article I found. She says, Emily says, imagine an apocalyptic Noah's Ark transplanted <laughs> to the Thunderdome with animals of every stripe fighting for their lives for the entertainment of the human race. <laughs> Can we hang out, Emily? Like, I, I just want to be friends. I just want to hear more of this insane <laughs> <laughs> imagery that flowers from your head. I
1: love it. I mean, the lyrics are nonsensical. Like, I, I get that there's a point to it, but like, yeah. the lyrics are crazy. Her delivery is so compelling. I feel like it doesn't matter. It just, it's just, it captivates in a way that I feel like it has no business to captivate. Yeah.
0: yeah she goes on to say, everything we do is part of the, in quote show. None of us have the option of sitting out around. The natural world used to be something we thought we could exploit for our pleasure forever, but those days are gone. Wow. The natural world is fighting back, and the natural world will win. Wildlife. 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 The natural world is fighting back, and the natural world will win.
1: (laughs) Our classic characters. This one uh, was the official song of the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh wow! Okay, For a couple seasons.
0: I mean, the fighting the sports, I get it. The stadium, all of that.
1: What do you think could beat a blue jay in a fight?
0: A blackbird. That
1: is topical. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny Wren. Jenny. A Jenny Wren. Uh, that brings us to the end of the album. It, it, a strong ending here. I mean, there's a B-side called Waves, which I think I sent you to is another one of those beat group songs. I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. And there is a acoustic version of Gold Guns Girls, acoustic version of Help I'm Alive. There's this song called The Gates, which is a B-side, and I yeah. don't think I've actually heard that one. And then there is a uh, sort of dance remixes of Gold Guns Girls and Sick Muse.
0: I pulled... Three quotes from a guy named Tim Sendra. It's on all music about this record. So, fantasies is a glossy, slick, and so clean you could eat off of it slice of modern rock that may scare off some of the band's early fans due to the unrepentant commercial nature of the album. This album sounds like an album by one of the bands that inspires them. Finely tuned machines like The Cars, Garbage, Blondie, Mm. and Missing Persons. And he wraps it up by saying, there's nothing small or careful about fantasies. It's a full-on bid for pop glory, and it's a smashing success. And I agree.
1: Hey, consensus.
0: We did it. We did it. Well, I love this album. Thank you for showing it to me. I'm sure I will annoy many around (laughs) me with gold guns and girls. (laughs)
1: At least until the court settlement comes into effect. And yes, until, yeah. until that happens. Yeah. But you know,
0: thank you all for listening. Check us out on social media. And any final thoughts?
1: Um, why don't we go out singing? Hmm. My, My friend, friend Ryan, Ryan is here. here. And, this is and
0: this is the song. So Sometimes early. you throw
1: spaghetti and it just doesn't stick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is a song, the song of Spaghetti Man. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Okay. Thank you. Do you have an opinion about the album we discussed today? Contact us at at now hear this podcast on Instagram at now hear this pod on Twitter, facebook.com
2: slash now hear this podcast or email us at now hear this official at gmail.com. See you next time.
0: Check, 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 check. Okay, I'm
1: here. There we go. Well, hey, Ryan. Hey, Paul, how are you? Well, I'm good. I'm here to tell the listeners that if they'd like to contribute Mm. to help keeping these Now Hear This episodes coming, well, they can donate featuring the wonderful new donation technology
0: (laughs) that Acast has developed for us. That's right, Acast. Has helped us out they host the show
1: yeah our hosts Acast, have made it really easy to donate to the show they have an Acast supporter feature and there's a link in the show description that you can follow to kick a couple bucks for the show it can be
0: five bucks a hundred bucks less than a dollar we don't care
1: yeah just something to keep the lights on
0: it's all out of pocket and we do this out of love and that's it
1: and we love you all for listening thank you very much for doing that couldn't set it better myself
0: Okay. All right.
1: Well, bye then.